Hey, listeners, just a reminder that the history of everything sex is for mature audiences, so listen with discretion. And don't forget, we're ready for suggestions, ideas, stories, whatever you want to tell us. Just email us at thehistoryofsexpod at gmail.com. Thanks! Hello, hello, Miss Terry. Hello, Melinda. How are you this evening? Well, I'm great. It's been a very busy week. Mm-hmm. And with the holidays and everything, we're, you know, a couple days behind. So um, hopefully our listeners are, they don't think that we just up and quit. And, you know, they're being patient with us. So to all of our listeners, all four of you. Yeah. Um, oh, come on. You know, there's probably eight. <laughs> you know what? You're right. You're right. Maybe even double digits. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I listen to it. Right. Um, right. Uh, so we're sorry that this one's a little late with the holidays and such. Um, mm-hmm. And then I also, uh, I think, probably will probably take about two weeks off later in December with Christmas and New Year's. Yeah. And, you know, kind of take a little. Some- some really interesting, uh, mind-blowing stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We'll really gear up for season two. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about Yule logs and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> because that's sexy. <laughs> uh, you want to say you're welcome? Yes. You're uh, welcome to the history of everything. Okay. Oh, oh, Sex. <laughs> was like I was trying to to do that (laughs) Cardi B thinks now welcome to the history welcome to the history of everything sex okay okay yeah Yeah. (laughs) now I just keep wanting to say yeah it's like I gargle it or something okay (laughs) all right so so the the title and subject of today's episode is the history of martine and louise falcon oh yes and so i will absolutely introduce them in a minute but okay first i want to give and this is extremely brief and a you know very overview type uh this is a timeline of the history of prostitution in the netherlands because we all know about amsterdam and their red light district and it's if we don't know about it, I can tell you that you can Google it and it's um, it's very well known. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's going to be part of the subject of today's episode. So first, I just wanted to very quickly gloss over um, kind of the history of prostitution in the Netherlands, like I said. So, okay. um, so prior to 1800, prostitution was not exactly legal, but it was also not criminalized it was more just kind of it was ignored that's ignored right just you're not you're not bothering anybody nobody's hurt we're just gonna pretend we don't see it exactly exactly Mm -hmm. prostitutes were always looked down on and considered dirty but they were also regarded as unavoidable um if not necessary parts of society In 1810, Napoleon's armies pretty much ran the the Netherlands. 
And they decided that in order to protect soldiers from deadly STIs, prostitutes needed to be regulated. Mm -hmm. So sex workers had to register with the government and they had to undergo medical exams, uh, which doesn't seem like a terrible idea, honestly. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, if they were deemed safe to work, then they were given red cards. And if they were found to be unhealthy, as assessed by the doctors, then they had to trade their red card in for a white one until they were better. Mm. So, okay. you know, if, you, if you're looking for someone, you definitely want the one with the red card so you know that you're not going to take home anything that you don't want right, to take Right, home. right, right. Mm-hmm. Now, later in the 1800s, the French took over control of the Netherlands and they got away from the regulation of prostitution. And this was a time when abstinence was believed to be very bad for men. Mm. You, know, you don't want those men going without sex. That's Blue just un- right. It's unhealthy. Mm-hmm. It's just going to end up with war. You know, right. it's, it's, it's all bad. <laughs> so while prostitutes were treated like scum, once again, they were also tolerated and kind of treated like a necessary evil. Like, we don't want you and you suck and you're terrible, but, you know, we also need you around. So, right, right, right. Let you do your stupid thing. Mm -hmm. In 1911, uh, the Netherlands law forbade pimping and owning brothels, but it did not specifically outlaw prostitution. So you could be a prostitute, but it was against the law to own a brothel or to basically make money off of a prostitute. So, Mm. yeah, yeah, which kind of makes sense, you know, which, Mm -hmm. you know, as long as the prostitute was okay with being an independent contractor rather than an employee, um, then, you know, I guess it was a good thing in the Mm -hmm. late in the late 1900s. The general Dutch attitude was that prostitutes, like illicit drugs, were going to continue to exist. So the government might as well embrace them and try to keep them as safe as possible. Right. So this is all kind of the same thing, you know, over all these years. It's just kind of like uh, enforced in different ways. So, yeah, that's where we are. So then in January of 1988... Prostitution was officially declared legal in the Netherlands, and it was the first country in Europe to do so. Later, on October 1st of 2000, the ban on brothels was reversed. So as of October 1st, 2000, brothels are legal. Prostitution is legal. And, you know, I, I, I think there's two things that Amsterdam is kind of known for here in the United States specifically. Right. Weed. And that is, yes, exactly. The legal weed, weed and the, the legal, legal sex. Yep. yep. The red light district. So, okay. So now that we got a little bit of a background, I would like to introduce you to Martine and Louise Fucken. Mm. They are identical twin sisters. Oh, they're Fuckens. They are fucking, and when I first saw that last name, I thought that they had, like, adopted that because, of course, they are going to turn out to be prostitutes. I mean, why would I tell you about the history of prostitution and not tell you about prostitutes? Right. Um, But uh, I do believe that they said that fucking is actually a pretty popular name over there. 
Okay. It's like Smith or Johnson here. There's okay. lots of Falcons over Lock there. Of I hear there's a lot of Falcons running around. You know, when they say like, oh, don't name your baby, you know, uh, I don't know, crystal meth or what, you know, whatever. Because yeah, it yeah, like yeah. sets them up for such and such. So, right. I mean, obviously all Falcons aren't prostitutes, but I do think it's quite the fitting name. It is. It is kind of like Lorena Bobbitt. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So Martine and Louise Falcon, and I will tell you, I have read so much on these women. I've read read so many articles and da da da. da. There's some of the information either um, like it's not consistent between articles. So I'm like, well, I don't know which one of these is correct. But there's also like not a lot of details. For example, I don't know their birthday. I know that they were born probably in 1943. And occasionally there's an article that makes it look more like it's 1941, but I, I'm pretty sure they were born in 1943. OK, what I do know is that they were born in Amsterdam in the Netherlands during World War II. And this was not a good time to be born or really to live in the Netherlands. Uh, Germans had invaded the Netherlands and this was this was the same time that Anne Frank was hiding and writing her her diary. So that's now, you you know, that kind of puts it in perspective. Mm -hmm. So while the Nazis were rounding up the Jewish people, uh, the allies, us, mm -hmm. uh, we were trying to destroy aircraft factories in the Netherlands because they had been taken over by the Germans. Gotcha. So even though... <clears throat> we were on the same side as the Netherlands were like bombing places in the Netherlands because the Germans owned them. But then, you know, we also ended up killing some Dutch. Duchesses. What? No. Dutch what do you call Dutchman? the people that live places? <laughs> Civilians. Uh, oh, uh, yes. Yes. That's the word <laughs> I'm looking for. Yes. <laughs> yes. There was. Um, yep. So. So. Lots of bombs going off. Um, now, for the Falcons, uh, whenever the bombings happened or when the sirens would go off, um, the girls and their families would take shelter in the basement. And they didn't own helmets, which apparently a lot of people did, but they did not. So their mother would have them put frying pans on their heads. Oh. And yeah, hmm. so that way, if we get bombed, this frying pan is going to keep your brain safe. Hmm. Yes. Okay. Um, now, their mother was half Jewish, so their entire childhood, they were always worried that they were, someone was going to come and take her away. Um, they also, their family also hid some of the Jews of the neighborhood uh, from the Nazis. So mm -hmm. basically, I mean, I can't even imagine that childhood. Like, A, you've got bombs going off, you know, relatively frequently, you got a frying pan on your head in case you get bombed. So you're sitting there waiting for it to happen. You know that your mother could literally be dragged out of your home, never to be seen again at any moment. Mm -hmm. And you're, you also know that your house is completely um, like illegal because you're hiding these Jewish people. So it had to be super frightening. Right, I, right, right. Stressful. Can't imagine. Absolutely. So as teenagers, uh, the girls were very creative and very artistic, and they dreamt of becoming artists. 
But as it does, life had other plans. Mm -hmm. So Louise fell madly in love with a guy named Wimpy. (laughs) He's on, he's part of Popeye. Exactly. I'm sure that that's where this comes from. Yeah, of course it does. Probably not, though. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think this is the same type of guy. But um, she was still a teenager and she married him and they had three babies very quickly, all before the twins were 20 years old. Hmm. So by, you know, 19 years old, she's married. She's got three kids. So and like I said, she was really head over heels uh, in love with Wimpy. She just, you know, this was the love of her life. And so one night, uh, Louise got all dolled up for a date with Wimpy. She was expecting him to take her to a really romantic dinner. And instead, he took her to a brothel and he forced her to work. Well, that's not nice. No, that's not the romantic night she had in mind. No. Out of fear and because she loved him so much, girls are dumb, Mm -hmm. uh, she did as she was told. And then afterward, he took the money that she had earned and he took her home. Hmm. But that was not the end of it, obviously, or that would be the end of our story. Mm -hmm. Um, Wimpy told Louise that she would be turning tricks from then on. Uh, He beat her ass. He Hmm. took their kids and dropped them off at foster care. Um, And then he became her pimp. Hmm. So he said. You know, keep working. Give me the money when you're done. And maybe I won't be trash. Maybe I won't leave you since you're so in love with me. Wow. Um, now, while this was happening, Louise's twin sister, Martine, was busy giving birth to her first baby with her husband. Mm-hmm. Word traveled to her. And she, I mean, she didn't even know. Her first thought was, I didn't even know that my sister was having financial problems. You know, mm-hmm. I, I didn't know that they needed money. Because that's just what she assumed must be happening for her sister to be turning tricks. Right, right, exactly. So when Martine recovered from childbirth, she went to the brothel to see her sister, as one does. Um, She ended up getting a job there as a housekeeper at the brothel. She was doing general cleaning and such. Um, Of course, a lot of times the clients would come into the brothel and they would see Martine and they would assume that she was Louise. And so they would, you know, they would try to hit her up. They'd offer her money for sex and all that. Mm -hmm. And eventually Martine decided, um, if you know, might as well just join my sister in this business because they all assume I'm doing it anyway. I might as well do it. So Mm -hmm. she joined her sister and became a sex worker herself. Right. She also said she's a problem solver. Exactly. She's like, let me do one plus one equals I'm a hooker. (laughs) (laughs) So um, she also said that she kind of did it out of spite because, you know, all the people of the neighborhood were bad talking her sister. And of course, she wanted to support her sister. So she's like, you know, I'll just be a hooker, too. And then you can take that. Yeah, it's kind of like in uh, Billy Madison. Did you ever see it? No. You didn't? Adam Sandler movie? <laughs> We've had this conversation before, and I think I ended up by saying, oh, I'm going to go watch it. I do not like oh, okay. those kind Where of movies. Where he says the cool kids are peeing their pants. Oh, Jesus. We've Christ. already had that conversation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, she, well, so he pees his pants. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So all the cool kids were being sex workers. Being so. sex workers. Mm-hmm. So... Martine's husband became her pimp. So 
we've got twin sisters who are sex workers Mm -hmm. and both of their husbands are being their pimps, basically just meaning that they're taking their money. I mean, that's what they're doing. Right. Um, Martina and Louise were very popular, especially because they would do threesomes. Okay. Yeah. And who doesn't dream of doing twin sisters, right? Right. So the ladies worked very hard. They earned lots of money. Their husbands took most of it, if not all of it. Um, Louise visited her her children at the foster home almost every weekend, every chance she could get. She went and visited Mm -hmm. her kids. Um, Obviously, she missed them very much. Now, eventually, both women did end up divorcing their asshole husbands. Good. Exactly. Yep. Uh, Louise had been married to Wimpy for a total of nine years. Mm. Uh, Martine ended up with three kids altogether. But after the divorces, the sisters decided to continue to do sex work. All right. They seemed to enjoy it. They were having fun. Mm-hmm. Literally, they were having right. fun. And it was basically kind of a matter of, well, what else can we do? This is all we've ever known, you know? Right, right, right. I don't want to say it was, we don't know how to do anything else, but it was more of a, we know how to do this. We're good at it. We're making good money. So why right, would we not right, do right. this? You know, and now we don't have to give our money to those dickheads. So there you go. Um, they earned such good money that they were able to support their families and they were good at their jobs. They have many, many stories, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, their clients, uh, some were rabbis and chaplains and priests. Mm-hmm. Um, some were these, quote unquote, good boys who are brought by their fathers to lose their virginity. Um, they both had regular clients that returned time after time to see them. Now, Martine this this girl mm-hmm. she decided that she should focus on a specialty kind of have a little bit of a a gimmick or something that made yeah her, yeah yeah you know so she became adept at bondage oh okay mm-hmm. she would inflict pain on those usually older men mm-hmm. who liked that sort of thing from whipping them to smacking or pinching their penises or testicles tying them up basically making them submissives okay for the for the men who wanted that Mm -hmm. now louise and martine were business partners and best friends they looked out for each other and they kept each other safe and they were the first women to own their own brothel the first prostitutes to own their own brothel in the netherlands Mm -hmm. and they claim to have founded the first union for independent prostitutes but I couldn't find any other information on that. So hmm. can can either confirm nor deny that that is the truth. But they, okay. it was stated in an article. How about that? Hmm. Okay. Now, in their documentary, Meet the Fockins. <laughs> right? <laughs> Meet the Fockiners. <laughs> the Fockins. <laughs> um, so in the documentary, the sisters tell stories of tricking men into believing that they were in you know, put the penis somewhere between some folds and the, oh, okay. the guy think, yeah, uh-huh. um, mm-hmm. they brag that most weeks they worked six days and they averaged about 10 clients a day. Hmm. They worked as quote unquote window girls after they left the brothels. Hmm. So we talked a little bit about this before, but just a brief thing. So in the red light district, 
you weren't allowed to actually work on the street. You could only be a prostitute, but you had to stay behind your window and then people could walk by. And then if they wanted your services, then, you know, they could approach you. Right, right. So then you were called a window girl. In Hmm. 2010, Louise was forced into retirement due to arthritis. She was no longer able to do all the physical activities necessary to be a sex worker. Mm. Martine, however, continued to work mostly on street corners and mostly only seeing her regular customers until about 2013, putting her at about 70 years old. Wow. (laughs) So they are. Yeah, they're in the the book of world records as the oldest prostitutes in the world. Wow. Right. And probably I would assume that it would also mean the longest, uh, you know, career as a prostitute, because, you know, you can't do 50 years as a prostitute unless you're also the oldest. Right. Mm -hmm. So the Fokker sisters estimate that in their hundred years of combined sex work, they had sex with around 335,000 men. Wow. Uh, Yeah. In 2012, the sisters were named the Red Light District's oldest window girls, Hmm. like officially, which obviously they were, but they were officially given the title. Mm -hmm. Um, Martine was 71 in 2014 when she finally truly, truly retired. She had still had like one or two regulars. So so Mm -hmm. technically she was still a prostitute all the way up until the age of 71. Um, and they will both tell you that it sucks living on a pension. You oh, because they're they just yeah. don't don't make as much, right? Right. Yeah. So yeah. over in the Netherlands, you know, when you hit a certain age or when you retire, you live on a fixed income. And mm-hmm. in, in England, I know they call we call them senior citizens. They call them pensioners. <laughs> pensioners <laughs> yeah so because they've reached that age where they're able to start getting their pension mm-hmm. um but it's not you know it's kind of like here when people live on social security it's it's not a great income you're not gonna you can't afford all the things that you want so mm-hmm. you have to figure out how you can you know earn additional money so that you can have all the things you want or so you can travel or so you can eat or you know, right, have a place right. to live or have clothes or whatever the case might right. be. Right. Um, yeah. So they they were not super excited about going from making quite a good income mm-hmm. to living on a pension. Right. Okay. So after retiring, Louise had gone back to designing and painting lampshades. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, this is what she had done before she started sex work. Okay. And she was really good at it. She's quite the artist. Cool. Uh, the sisters have written books about their lives, which they would carry around the neighborhood when, and then when tourists asked to have a selfie with the ladies, because, you know, they did get a pretty good reputation going on between oh, sure. their documentaries, you know, they became mm-hmm. moderately famous. So when tourists would ask to have a selfie with the ladies, they were, um, the tourists would be asked to buy a book. Um, and if they did not buy a book, then they were kindly told to fuck off. Okay. Well, no selfie for you, bitch. No selfie. Yeah. In 2016, 
Martine and Louise were working as tour guides for a startup company called Red Light District Tours. How perfect is that? It is perfect, but I don't know that that's the most creative name they could have, you know. No, 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 no. It's perfect that they're doing that, but not necessarily. Exactly. Right. I agree with you. Yeah. Both of the sisters had also started going to therapy, dealing with the PTSD from their time as kids during the war. So that's a good thing. Taking care of the mental health. Yeah. Um, now, Louise, who she was briefly married a second time. There's not a whole lot of information about that. She had a fourth child uh, with her second husband. So she has four kids and nine grandkids. Okay. Um, she keeps in touch with them and she still tries to kind of make up for lost time. Yeah. Um, yeah. On the other hand, completely opposite. Martine has three kids six grandkids, and even a few great-grandkids. But her adult children are ashamed of her, and they are no longer in contact with her at all. So, Jeez, that's too bad. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, The sisters recently took part in in the Amsterdam Gay Pride Parade, sailing on on the Jewish boat, you know, because they're part Jewish. They're kind of trying to embrace that again. Yeah, uh, that dancing and enjoying the party. They walk around dressed in the most flamboyant outfits. <laughs> it's uh, great. Good for them. You know, absolutely. Yeah. By all means, you do you. It's just it's really funny to see them because, yeah, with them being 70, you know, they still dress kind of sexy. Uh-huh. And um, I, I don't know that it's exactly today's fashion. Like, you OK. Know, red leather boots with like you know leggings they look um, at something out of austin powers or yes yeah and they always match always match oh. <laughs> and they do everything together are they identical yes or were they okay yes yes um now according you know we had talked about the whole history of the prostitution there uh-huh. well the fuckins these sisters they have something to say about that according to them the legalization and regulation of prostitution has seriously fucked the working girls. No pun intended. <laughs> um, they say <laughs> that sex workers now have to pay an incredible amount of taxes. And really? that it leaves them with very little profit. Mm-hmm. They also say that the men or boys who visit the district now are fat um and they drink too much and they're dumb and disrespectful Mm. sounds about right um martina and louise are particularly disgusted by the types of females who are now window girls um most of them are immigrants from the west Mm -hmm. and they are all less than 25 years old Mm. and they are mostly plastic according to okay uh, martina and louise so you know, they just kind of feel like, you know, whatever happened to the good old days when you could. Right. 70s you know, Bush and whatnot. Exactly. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. Where, you know, the old Dutch girls could just do this. So um, currently, so I just wanted to kind of give everybody some uh, information, I guess, about mm-hmm. the red light district as it is today. Okay. 
So around usually from about noon to midnight, mm-hmm. um, the window girls are standing behind the windows. Mm-hmm. Um, men knock on the window. They negotiate with the prostitute. And then if the terms are accepted, he goes in. The door is closed. The curtains closed, which, you know, obviously means that she is, you know, occupied mm-hmm. at the moment. Um and so that's kind of how it works as far as the transaction goes. Mm-hmm. The Red Light District is just mm-hmm. flooded with tourists, but it's also well policed. So, mm-hmm. you know, if a camera is seen, usually the person with the camera is verbally assaulted by the prostitutes. They may even throw your camera right in the canal. Wow. Because we're not here for you to be taking pictures of. You right, know? right, right. You're not at the zoo. Right, exactly. Crying out loud. There are windows that instead of having red lights, actually have blue lights. And can mm. you guess what that means? Blue light. Um, and so there's someone standing in the window. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe... It stands for uh, daily specials, like a sale. A blue light special? Yeah. That is such a great guess. Uh, good. But it's not correct. That's okay. The blue lights mean that the prostitute is actually trans. Oh, okay. So, All right. You know, good to no, know. That's good. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There are about a thousand prostitutes working each day. 400 of those are in the windows. Others are working from home or brothels or in the clubs. Prostitution, um, like I said, has been legal since 1810. Mm -hmm. Brothels became legal again in 2000. Brothels do need permits and prostitutes and, and the brothels pay taxes so not just the prostitutes but also if you run a brothel you're paying taxes so Mm -hmm. i think the government is definitely the one who's kind of benefiting here yeah up until 2019 you had to be 18 to be a prostitute Mm -hmm. but in february of 2019 that age went up to 21 so Hmm. you have to be 21 to be a prostitute you have to be 16 to be a client Oh, okay. Right. Well, because that's the age of consent, I'm assuming. Exactly. Exactly Mm -hmm. right. Yes. I don't know off the top of my head uh, how to convert euros to American dollars. Mm -hmm. Um, But if, you know, if you're so inclined, you can Google that shit. What I can tell you is that as of 2014, a 10-hour window rent. So to rent a window for 10 hours costs you 80 euros. In the bad neighborhoods. In the better, more traveled neighborhoods, it's about 150 euros. Mm. The average cost for sex, it would be 50 euros for 15 to 20 minutes of oral sex and vaginal sex. Okay. Both with a condom. And then typically, if you only wanted either oral or vaginal, it would be 30 for one or the other. Okay. Um, of course, extras are extra. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's a la carte. To, exactly. That's up to the worker and, you know, what she feels she wants to do, what she's willing to do and what she's willing to charge for that. Mm-hmm. There's about 200,000 
clients a year who visit the women in the windows. Uh, most of the clients are 25 to 45 years old. More than 50% are tourists. Condoms are not legally required, but of course, most girls do require them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they don't legally have to use a condom, but a, a worker could make that part of their protocol. Absolutely. Okay. So yes. they can require it. Right. Yeah. You're your own boss. You make your own rules. It's like it literally is your own business. So mm-hmm. if that's what you choose to do, you know, I would assume if you are willing to go without, then I would assume you take that the chance. Yeah. You probably could charge a little more money. You know what? How much do you think we could make on a weekend? Oh, snap. <laughs> what if we go there? Well, first of all, I think it would probably cost more to fly there and back for a weekend than we could than we could uh, make. So maybe maybe our listeners want to fund a trip <laughs> so we can do an experiment. There, it's all for research. See? Yes, it's all for research. Gilf, gilf research. Exactly. <laughs> and then, as of September 29th, twenty twenty two, a couple of current laws in Amsterdam. So, um, in some areas in Amsterdam, uh, alcohol is prohibited. In the red light district, it is prohibited. Mm -hmm. So, in any public spaces, it's forbidden to have any open containers or to, you know, drink alcohol, which Mm kind of makes sense to me because, you know, if you're trying to keep the girls safe and you know (laughs) that this is already a very crowded area then keeping the alcohol out of the mix is probably a really good idea it is forbidden for sex workers to offer or promote their services on the streets of amsterdam's red light district or anywhere else in the city and this applies on the road next to the road publicly accessible buildings so you're either in a brothel you're in a club or you're behind a window. And like I said, that's why they have the windows. Now, they do not prohibit the smoking of cannabis. So there are many public places in Amsterdam where smoking a joint outside is prohibited. These places include children's playgrounds. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Around schools. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you are legally allowed to have five grams of weed on you for personal use. Nice. So there's that. Typically, it's kind of traditional that if you're going to smoke weed, you're going to either do it at home or you're going to do it in a coffee shop. So coffee shops are kind of known for being the place to go if you're going to be smoking weed. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like your typical Starbucks here where that's where all the basic white girls hang out. Right, right, right. (laughs) No, coffee shops where you go when you want to smoke some dank weed. (laughs) Um, um, window prostitution businesses are allowed to be open to visitors from 8 a.m. to 6 Mm a.m. You are not allowed to work from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. You know what I wonder? I wonder if that's when, like, the police do their shift change. 6 a.m. Oh. Um, Or kids going to school. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, but then they don't have the the way home. Well, that's true. Yeah, and I, yeah, I, so maybe I don't, not. 
I don't know a lot about the Netherlands, but I think I would be surprised if the kids had to walk through the red light district, Yeah, yeah, you're you know, right. to, You're right, you're right, you're right. yeah. And sex workers usually work eight hour shifts, but legally they're not allowed to work more than 11 hours a day. Okay. So, you know, there are some limitations to this. Okay. Yeah. Prostitution hotels are illegal. So Mm. if you pick up a, an escort, then you're not going to a hotel because that's against the law. Um, providers of tours in the red light district have to comply with rules. For example, if a guide gives a tour to five people or more, he or she needs a government exemption. With larger tour groups, there is currently a set limit of 15 participants. If the tour group is bigger than this, local authorities can end the tour and the guide will be fined. There you go. The end. Right. And it's law that that tour guides tell their participants that they are not allowed to take pictures of the prostitutes. Okay. Now, if you are on in the red light district and you feel the need to pee and you really got to go, um, there's a public restroom that looks like the red light district and it's called the sexy loo. So. You just find the sexy loo, you Mm-hmm. go <laughs> inside, it's filled with imitation window brothels, so it's decorated as if it were the red light district. You'll still still get the feeling that you're peeing in the red light district, but you're actually not out in public and you're not peeing on streets, which is disgusting. Gotcha, yeah. So, what do you think about them fuckers? I think those fuckers really knew what they were doing. They they knew how to fuck. They Mm -hmm. were aptly named. Correct. Yes. So they are currently living their best life. Well, Mm -hmm. maybe not so much because, you know, between the pension, um, selling lampshades, selling some paintings that they do, selling their books, charging people for to take pictures with them mm-hmm. they're living off the royalties of the two documentaries because the one is meet the f- fucking most yeah. recent one is called countless which is kind of like a <laughs> play off the fact that they've slept with countless men mm-hmm. or had countless clients you know yes. they never talk about women so i highly doubt that they would have turned away a woman client Mm -hmm. um but they they just never really nothing that i read really specifically mentioned women so that's why i mentioned women yeah yeah Mm -hmm. um the royalties of the documentaries and then the royalties from the books that they've written so and they're just they're most interesting women i watched part of the documentary and um they are just they're having a good damn time good for them even if they don't have all the money anymore but um Yeah, they're just, you know, they seem like they, they took pride in the work that they did, exactly you know, right. Yep. and uh, this is the, what they're doing now is the best thing they could be doing, right? you know what I mean? Mm And then, you know, especially with social media and stuff like that, and they just get to be these famous, famous twins that used to lay it down. Mm -hmm. Whatever I was, you decide to do, just be the best you can at it. 
be the best you can. Yeah. So. And wear your condoms. Right. I think Martina and Louise killed it. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you for that. Well, you're welcome. I'm going to watch those documentaries. And then you're going to go to Amsterdam for a weekend and. I, you know, if I could get loot. the funding for it and, <laughs> you know, I'd be like, what debt? <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe we need to stay there more than a weekend. Okay. <laughs> if, uh, we're, if we're really thinking we're going to make a profit on this. Yeah. It's, it's well, I can work remotely. <laughs> I can work remotely. As a prostitute? No, just on oh, the downtime. Oh, your day job. Yes. Gotcha. So I don't have to take the time off. Because <laughs> of the well, time change, probably. You get it work all my worked day out. job at night. Uh, yeah. And work the night job at the day. and Right. Because yeah. they probably want, it's all, it's open all the time, except for when the kids are going to school. <laughs> 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Exactly. Right. That's when you nap. That's when you take a shower. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wash exactly. your bits. Wash your ass. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I will probably just have you um, do some um, Zoom calls from Amsterdam. Let me know how it's going. Okay. I will. Yeah. Totally. I'll just, I'll just, I'll hold things down back here at home. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. I'll bring you home a keychain. I bet you will. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> Among some, other things. Some wooden shoes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Anything else? All right. No, that's All it. Right, Thank homie. you very much. All right. See y'all later. Bye. Bye.